Hello and welcome to this free episode of TF. It is uh, zero. It's the free one. That's right. We are. We've decided to go from uh, inbox zero to Milo zero. Uh, so it's just right. uh, Riley, Alice, and Hussein. Um, uh, Milochka I've been deputized to do the annoying stuff because <laughs> uh, otherwise it would just be like a podcast that's quite insightful, and you need someone. On here to do the annoying jokes, mm. and so you know that's that's what I'm here for. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it is it is it is those three. It's the three of us. Uh, Milochka will be back uh, next week, or not next week. He'll be back this week, uh, and you'll see him soon. Um, uh, he's, he's he's he, but he's doing well. Uh, he's the window he's is being treated well by his captors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the air conditioning is on. The window is open, and he's listening to his favorite song. Uh, in his beloved car. Um, <laughs> no, uh, so look, we're all, so the three of us are here. Uh, we're no longer recording uh, on Zencaster. Uh, we have now received a, a generous stipend uh, from the Meta Corporation uh, to hold all of our podcast recordings in of the Metaverse. Uh, that's right. We're, that's right. We're all wearing business casual up top and uh, none of our legs exist. Um, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. I, I, B- business casual on the top, uh, just fully nude, but it's not even rendered. So just torsos yeah. floating in space, talking to each other. Yeah, uh, what? What are just a couple of crazy torsos trying to trying to make it in the world? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know if if uh, Alice and I both seen this. I don't know if you have Hussein. Uh, 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 the Meta now the only major uh, tech company currently above its IPO price, which and also <laughs> to be clear, not by much. Um, is, oh yeah, that, that 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 stock has been hemorrhaging, which yeah. is great. Mm. I mean, that's I mean, the great thing is like Twitter is now below its. If you bought Twitter when it first when you first were able to buy Twitter, you would now and you just held it, you would have now lost money because they've also never paid a dividend. You would have lost money buying like these big as, buzzy as tech you stocks. should have done. This is your punishment for making the world appreciably worse. For bringing Twitter into being and torturing hundreds of thousands of souls in eternal purgatory, what what you deserve is to lose a small amount. Yeah, it's of money. kind of embarrassing as well. I don't know. I don't know if it'd be like one of those things I would like say in public or like to impress a girl or something like that. I sort of just keep that to myself. Yeah, imagine being like, oh, I'm I'm a Twitter stockholder. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, I, I'm. I look. I just I met Jack Dorsey, and I really believed in his vision, especially when like the small family of birds that have been living in his beard <laughs> talked to me. Um, I, I met him at a retreat that uh, where you hallucinate for nine days and shit yourself. Um, yeah. So no. Uh, the but I, but one of the reasons, right, that Meta is pushing so fucking hard on this metaverse stuff because you notice they've also dropped a lot of the crypto things from it. It's now just sort of Microsoft Teams or Zoom, but like. <laughs> where you yeah, can walk around. Yeah, it's it, it's PlayStation Home again. Yeah, uh, it's it's fucking Habbo Hotel. It's it's a net, it's a like social mm-hmm. space, I guess, where you have a little avatar. Well, no, that's it. That's all it is. And they have spent two point something billion dollars on this. <laughs> Why not? And now and now it's cool. Like like Mark Zuckerberg, a, a man a man with interests, and more importantly, a man with organs. Uh, is able to like <laughs> hang out with the- then with warm pulsating human skin just like you and me. <laughs> the one, the thing you can say about him is that his brain sends electrical signals and they're interpreted by his nerve endings. <laughs> um, boy, is that just like a normal guy? Noted, noted bipedal Mark Zuckerberg. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. So just like talking to you know like horrible pedants while looking at a JPEG of space, being like, wow, the future. Um, what's really funny though is that so much of this is happening, I, in my personal uh, opinion, based just on on sort of getting a read of what the company is like, is that as you know, Facebook is essentially provides services to ad agencies. Like that's mostly what they do, right? Is just user yeah. targeting to make to make Don to Draper make obsolete. Your grandma racist, yeah. but yes. also to make Don Draper obsolete, so you don't have to pay him to you know come up with. Uh, you know, well, because previously, if you, if if you wanted if you wanted to make someone's grandma believe in QAnon, you had to like do a TV ad and a print ad, and the print ad had to have very clever copy, and that was all done by Sterling Cooper Draper Price. <laughs> now, now that's just all handled through Facebook. Yeah. So, although the thing that's that's changed, right? The thing that sort of threatens Facebook's entire business model, 
uh, which again, just very fun. Like someone should teach these people, like Porter's Five Forces, um, is the th- something that's threatened their entire business model is uh, an iOS update that basically allows you to like click a setting that opts you out of ad tracking. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, and, and this and this was like the sort of sea mine that struck the good ship Facebook and has just like absolutely destroyed a great deal of its profitability overnight. Yeah, uh, ten billion is the number I saw. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was something like yeah. sixteen, or was, maybe it was something else, but it was just like this kind of massive, uh, uh, like cut to its like stock price as well, right? Yeah, because of oh, just, absolutely. Like, how- it, it, how, like, you know how yeah. we joke about the racism button or the like, uh, the Brexit lever. What there literally is is there is a Facebook profitability switch, but it's in the settings of yeah. Safari. <laughs> yeah. So all all we have to do is it's it's this incredible. What we've sort of done is they have massively over designed this whole thing so much in order to serve such a tenuous purpose that has to be so involved in everything. That like they've accidentally designed a Death Star kill switch into it that you can just you can just go ahead and push it. If you're listening to this on an iPhone. While listening to this, you can go ahead and reduce Facebook's revenue by a little bit if you wanted to. <laughs> I, I think we should get that for more companies. <laughs> that would be it's a lot it's fun. not even like d- don't like what this functionally does isn't don't serve me ads because they'll still serve you ads. It's not. Uh, don't personalize those ads to me. It's literally just do not carry like all the shit that you have about me from one website over to another website, and that's the thing that has been enough to just completely yeah. decimate. Well, yeah, because Facebook's yeah, family. because like Facebook's like I had to go on Facebook like a couple of weeks ago because I have an uncle who just like only posts on there for that's some the reason. The only reason anyone goes um, on Facebook, yeah, is like you I have, have an, an uncle, uncle you have to communicate yeah, if you, with. If you have an uncle or a grandparent, you probably have a Facebook account that like exists primarily just to like respond to like their messages um i had to go on there like recently uh to respond to uh, my uncle sending me a birthday message and i just like i spent like a few minutes on there and not only did that like those few minutes really just feel like dystopic in a way that scrolling through your twitter timeline like it makes scrolling through your twitter timeline feel like um you know feel feel like walking through like a garden of heaven um just because of like how chaotic it is and like it's because it's like this weird mixture of like groups that you kind of followed when you were younger and suddenly because of like algorithmic changes and because of the way that they're sort of gaming algorithms, like they just kind of like come up, but they keep feeding you like all this stuff that you're like not really that interested in. And maybe you can trace it back to an interest you had like a long time ago, but now it's something completely different. Um, And because you're like so inundated with these ads, but like the whole social experience of it, you know, even even in its most minimal form of like, I need to respond to my uncle, or I've decided to like stalk the girl I had a crush on in like two thousand and six or whatever. Um, you know, not not saying that's me. Uh, I'm, I'm very stalked by looking at the profile, not stalking any kind of criminal. Remind you, you're under oath. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm a very dedicated wife guy, so I'm just saying this in very hypothetical terms. Um, but you can't even do that. Like it it disrupts the whole thing. It's like very. It's a really weird experience just to be on that website and like. Whenever I've seen Metaverse stuff, which to be clear, like when they first released it, they kind of like released it on the basis that like, yeah, we know our platform kind of sucks, but like the reason why we haven't done like, you know, sleek updates to it is because actually we think that the future is virtual reality, web free crypto and so on. Um, but the VR stuff doesn't really seem to solve or like even solve the problems that it has itself like pointed out. I, I don't know. It feels oh, of course not. Of why, course, why would it? Why would you expect it to solve a problem? Well, I, I think in this day and age. Yeah. If there's anything we've learned in this on this podcast, uh, but the other, I think like that. That's an, a good question to raise, right? Is what was this all meant to do? Especially now that we can see, like, like the the music stopped a little while ago, and we've been able to see who is and who is not able to uh, sit down. The lights came on. We can see who's not wearing. No, pants. no one can sit down because in the mess of us, no one has legs. <laughs> True. That's right. Oh yeah, that's true. They were fighting the mu- musical chairs uh, analogy. Um, no, well, what, so what, what what happened is right. It's that Facebook fundamentally uh, is a boom time business. It only makes it because all they're really doing is attempting to. Uh, all they can really do is respond to induced demand by offering a kind of I'm not going to say snake oil, but let's just say a difficult to prove if it actually does anything advertising in yeah. business, right? Yeah, well, it, it, it's sort of like, is the economy good? If yes, uh, please give me the company that lets you communicate with that one uncle $10 trillion. Yeah, the uncle company. 
Um, yeah. we're, we, what we're Uncle doing Co. is we're inserting we're inserting pro, like programmatic ads into uh, the UK and America's valuable uncle communication space. But rotating a sort of metaverse uncle in my mind. It's yeah, all the, <laughs> that's, uncles hate having legs. They're all going to be in the metaverse. Yeah, the, the thing the thing no one understands about Facebook about Meta is that this is primarily uncle driven. Yeah. <laughs> but like the the thing is right, and this is this is mostly um, happening in the American Fed as well. Is there's sort of the ground is being laid for a recession to be triggered uh, by. Uh, th- through rate raises. It's so, it's so cool that that's a thing that, again, they can just turn on and off. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I, th- I thought this was some sort of like abstract economic force. Like, no one can agree on what a recession is. It just happens due to mysterious laws of nature. And now it turns out that the central planners that we're not supposed to have can just give press conferences that are like, yeah, we're kind of, d- we're kind of feeling like it might be time for us to start a recession. You know, <laughs> you know when it's like... I don't know, it's a Tuesday. <laughs> Time to go back to the old me, yeah. and by the old me I mean 1929. Yeah, 1920, or, or any of the or, or or 2008, or all the other times that has definitely worked <laughs> yeah. for the better. I mean, if you think, like, the only time sort of a, one of these things really did work for the better was um, when there was massive worker organization that was able to, like, basically oh, hold a, hold a well, flintlock to FDR's head, uh, metaphorically. Yeah, yeah, well, it's, 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 it, it is great if you're an accelerationist, which is something that we keep talking about on this, on, this pro- on this podcast, because, like, so many of the people operating these levers of power seem to be acting like accelerationists. And to me, going on TV and being like, as, as in, you know, guy in charge of all the money, I will be turning the money off to start a recession. That to me reads like someone who has been deep cover for forty years, begging for the chance to start a general strike. Yeah, this is- and I, I, I love that for them. That's, you know, it's basically yeah, like like Powell's just like a Maoist third worldist who's just getting ready to collapse the American <laughs> Empire. Um, so, yeah. so basically, right, and he, and he got ratioed on Twitter when he said he wanted to become a banker. If you can imagine <laughs> that, but you know, trust the process, trust the plan. That's right. You know, so basically, right, the the way that this works, putting it back in the context of Facebook, is that Facebook is even though it came from the sort of the boom years of uh, sort of late Bush, right? Uh, fundamentally, its business is a post two thousand eight. Um, sort of like uh, cheap money, infinite growth, forever driven business, if only because it is an massively. It is it, until recently, it was a sort of advertising firm um, that was valued at gigantic multiples of earnings. Um, and so, what happened? What happens? And as we get closer to a recession, I mean, people sort of already been panicking out of stuff like Snap, Twitter, um, you know, other other sort of various competitors in what is essentially the digital advertising space. Um, what has happened is. Uh, these they have sort of gone lower and lower and lower because there's feel less and less of food buying. Like I don't know if you if I saw this headline um, because I, I I tend to look if in order to be able to talk about the economy I tend to read a lot of really specific publications. Like I read a lot of publications mm-hmm. about that talk about who's ordering what at McDonald's. It's like like fast yeah, food. That, well, yeah, well this is this is the balance of labor on this podcast. Is you're the one who reads the sort of thing about pork futures or whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, no, so I'm so, saying, and one one of the things that you you, re- you read the sort of collected works of the two evil guys from Trading Places, <laughs> and then you just make a little note that's like, hmm, interesting. Going to make some jokes about this. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. That's that's the formula, baby. Uh, copyright can't can't do it. Um, yeah, so the <laughs> that's uh, right. So right. So seems a very interesting science that Mark Zuckerberg is going to turn Dan Aykroyd into Eddie Murphy and vice versa. Yeah, with the metaverse, so we've I've turned <laughs> Dan Aykroyd into Eddie Murphy, and I I needed to use their legs in order to power the transformation. <laughs> um, no, but um, so so what? One of the things that's happening in America, right, is even with the sort of like like very good job market. Um, is is that rising prices and and inflation have meant that, for example, McDonald's is noting a gigantic return to its value menu items. Um, they, they're no longer really selling combos. They're not selling premium items at McDonald's. Sort of all across America. Hamburger strikes again. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Americans are no longer asking for the chicken Big Mac please meal. Yeah. Instead, they're asking for the poverty Big Mac please meal. Yeah, they're uh, Amer- Americans have rediscovered the uh, make is make a normal double cheeseburger like a Big Mac. Uh, trick. Also, you legitimately did just uh, do the okay. Explaining recession to Americans. Imagine a burger. 
What if it was a smaller burger? <laughs> what if you couldn't get the air, land, and sea anymore? Yeah, um, yeah. That's I mean that's that's what we're look the air, land, and sea. That's like a 2013, uh, you know, um, infinite growth, uh, infinite VC burger, right? So, uh, so sort of Obama doing a doing a long speech about how Americans should be able to order from the secret menu. Uh, uh, for too for too long, Americans have been stuck to the value menu. No, um, right. So, so the thing is, is that also Powell even himself said, and this is a bone chilling quote: "We're seeing lower food consumption across the board." I mean, listen, uh, you have an obesity crisis on the one hand, you have a starvation crisis on the other hand. You know, balances out perfectly. And the great yeah, thing right. is, not, neither of them are related to each other; they're completely independent <laughs> <No>. events. <laughs> exactly. Uh, no, so, and so with this environment, right? There is this desire uh, to trigger a recession, uh, largely because the the idea is right. The theory is if we if we go through the pain of recession now, then we won't have worse pain of uncontrollable price rises later. Um, well, the problem is the last time we did that, a lot of prices just stubbornly rose when the answer to the recession was was to make money free. So I don't. Yeah, because yeah. economics is a fake science, and that th they walk around and act as if they're real scientists, although their models have no bearing in reality. So this is essentially like being treated for plague by the guy in the like beak mask, who's like, "Listen, it's gonna suck really bad when I insert this poultice into your anus, but have you considered that it's gonna burn out all of the plague germs?" And then, well, we wouldn't say germs because it's not a germ theory of medicine. It's gonna burn out all of the miasma. Yeah, all and then it doesn't because that's not how plague works. But you also then have plague and a poultice full of herbs in your anus. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Look, God told me that He's gonna yell at the demons through this herb poultice, and we're gonna put it in your anus. My name is Jerome exactly. Powell, and this is my beak mask. <laughs> this is Jerome Powell, yeah, and this exactly. is trigger a recession. Um, I mean, to be fair, to be fair, the sort of like fed suit uh, with the like little American flag lapel pin and a plague doctor mask would go hard yeah. as a combination. That's right. Well, uh, I guess if anyone wants to draw that for us, yeah, uh, uh, please draw draw us as um, as as fed bankers uh, wearing the yeah, plague fiduciary mask. plague doctors. Yeah. yeah. Um. So the the thing is, right? A lot of this is based on you say like the models don't work, Alice. You're again sort of much closer to specifically right than you might guess. Like they don't just work in a very not work in a very diffuse sense. But in this case, all of this um uh, sort of uh, essentially like trigger a recession on purpose to keep the economy from getting worse later is based on the Phillips curve, which only ever worked in in the seventies. That worked one time, <laughs> and it never worked since. Yeah, like chest hair, yeah. you know, or like big gold medallions. Yeah, it's like uh, we are. It, it, it was in for a bit, but now you just can't do it anymore. Yeah, it's it's where we're, it, they tried to do like a, a Paul Thomas Anderson Boogie Nights thing, and they tried to bring back sort of seventies seventies aesthetics. Um, <laughs> yeah, but like that's that's the idea, right? Is this is that is that this one model was the thing, and it worked one time. Economics is is fake. Incidentally, you know the Nobel Prize in economics isn't a Nobel Prize. Mm -hmm. Like genuinely, it's not part of the Nobel bequest. It's something the, the Swedish central bank just insisted on putting his name on anyway. So you know, uh, parasites <laughs> yeah, on 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 real sciences, scum. <laughs> I mean, with I all... don't know why I'm so mad about that, but I really am. You can't call it a Nobel Prize. I... <laughs> You absolutely laureate in economics. Fuck off. Get out of here. Uh, and I believe. I mean, if you want to talk about sort of economics being a fake science used to justify sort of enormous amounts of, um, uh, you might say, just uh, intentional infliction of pain on ordinary people by, I guess, basically people who have to be understood as religiously committed to causing that pain is yeah, I, I can't remember ghouls, who, vampires, you know, things of this nature. Yeah, of course, people of this nature. Uh, Rishi Sunak is still Werewolves. citing. Still citing Reinhard Rogoff, a disproven paper to talk about why um, we need to reduce the national debt as a matter of urgency and so must like cut everything charged from the NHS, all that stuff. Literally disproven a decade ago. Yeah, he's playing the right. he's playing the hits. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's almost it almost to me it feels like a kind of like religious incantation, right? Because George Osborne did it before first doing the round of austerity that sort of he was responsible for in the coalition is he came up, talked about this paper, uh, Reinhardt Rogoff. It was again, this paper, which basically just says that your national debt and your GDP have to be at a certain ratio or else like you're going to be trapped in a period of low growth. 
um, which again, a paper, and we've a paper we've discussed before that like probably one of the academic papers uh, in in the field of economics with the biggest body counts, which is quite something. Um, mm. And like, and and just to see it come back again, just as an incantation that like a British chancellor will say before inventing a new way to make life in this country totally unlivable. Uh, it's uh, you know it's quite quite something. I don't I don't like it. I'm not fond of it really. But so like the other thing right is that this concept of stagflation, which is what we're in right now, right, which which is just when the economy doesn't grow but there is considerable inflation, right? Because the traditional view of inflation, the one that um, the Phillips curve is supposed to describe, suggests that like inflation happens when there is too much demand. People are borrowing mm-hmm. too much money, starting too many businesses. Uh, the economy is hot. Is that how you refer to it? Right. Yeah. People are Maybe, grinding. They're grinding too much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there is there is a lot wrong. Um, and so and so they say, okay, well, that means we need to do like raise interest rates to increase the cost of borrowing to cool off economic activity so prices don't rise like crazy. And then they had to invent this concept, stagflation, which is well, hang on a second. What if what if there's lots of inflation and the economy's not growing? And that model of inflation, the sort of raise rates model of inflation, can't really explain it. Um, but that no, just this means is because because it's because it's cargo cult shit. Yeah. The stuff that you're measuring has no relation to what you're doing, and so you're just like, well, that doesn't explain it. So I guess I'm gonna have to build a separate, different control tower out of wood. Yeah, <laughs> where I can then where I've also built a little button that says "cause recession," and if it clicks yes. and everything. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh no, I've got a splinter in my finger from the cause recession button. Um, and you know, like it, it just means it, it, it goes back to this thing that I think is super important to remember anytime you think about the economy, anytime you think about the production of goods, um, is just is just to remember that that the price rises can come from increases in profit, increases in labor costs, and increases in non-labor costs, and all political activity in the last like, I don't know. I want it, you could say last 30 years, last 10 years, last 200 years, wherever you want to start counting, has been about making sure that that third one, that labor costs don't go up, essentially. <laughs> right? Um, and we'll sort of come Which back. Which is a great time to have a cost of living crisis. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, for, for, for sure. Speaking of the cost of living crisis, of course, um, I mean, uh, uh, look, everyone's talking about how the energy bill. Uh, energy price cap is going to increase to what, like four thousand pounds a year for the average user? Yeah, to like apocalyptic levels. Black pilled. Uh, Martin Lewis was on TV today, uh, uh, looking looking like very jacked and mad. And uh, I, I I was looking at it. I was like, he's giving depressing news, but like I appreciate that he's going into his Yukio Mishima phase now. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Martin Lewis storming the treasury, <laughs> appealing to the troops outside, and then committing seppuku when, when they don't, when they just look at him like what? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but the other thing I actually want to quickly chat about first before we get into that and all of the sort of associated industrial action around that, right? Because again, like it's almost like because a who boy has there been some industrial action, <laughs> and there will be in future. Is that actually? Another essential service is going to rise massively in price. Uh, BT is going to ra- raise the rates of its uh, ordinary broadband package by fifty-three pounds. <laughs> right. Oh, mm. yeah. Going on the internet, it's bad for you, but basically, you can't exist in society without doing it. So yeah. you got to pay for it. Now you got to pay more. Yeah. Uh, no website is now free. Less free than ever. Um, and also, I it's just, <laughs> yeah. Five years ago, you used to be able to say this website is free as a joke and sound really smart. Now you've got to say shit like that every five to ten minutes. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the real stagflation. Yeah. Um, so the the thing is, right? Is uh, I, I just I'm just trying to remember what was it? What 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 was going to happen if we um took away the profit element of this and ran it oh, as a public utility? Oh, uh, that 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 would have been communism, really. Yeah. So there, there would have been communism. We all would have been wearing identical jumpsuits and rubber boots. Mm-hmm. Um, all of us would be denouncing each other to the party. There would be big posters of Jeremy Corbyn everywhere. There would be big red flags, uh, and, and you know it would have been it would have been intolerable. Yeah. So that, you know, we thankfully, thankfully, we avoided that. Yeah, th- thank goodness we avoided a kind of uh, descent into incredibly expensive and unworkable rickety infrastructure because you know that would have that would be fucking terrible 
You don't even get fucking rubber boots out of it. You try and buy a pair of rubber boots, and they, they fucking like cost you some absurd amount of money. Yeah, I was very surprised. I had to go to B and Q the other day, and they were like 130 pounds for like the standard issue boots. It's like that's <sighs> a lot. That's a- you know how much a jumpsuit costs these days? <laughs> Ridiculous. Yeah, look, if we're going to do uh, sort of free broadband for all, what are we going to have to do? Like a 130-pound pair of boots for everyone, a jumpsuit for everyone, time 60? Just don't even consider it. We're better off with this scenario. But- <laughs> my, my, my economy is stagflating. Can anyone find out why? <laughs> uh, cost of living crisis, 50 quid. Uh, internet, 50 quid. Yeah, energy, 50 quid. Uh, a gigantic pair of Chanel rubber boots for every citizen, <laughs> five trillion quid. Um, it's like, no, I'm not going to spend less on on the rubber boots. It's important. <laughs> I don't want to spend less on them because then I'll just have to replace them later. I'm saving money. <laughs> uh, yeah, are you familiar with the Vimes theory of Chanel rubber boots? Yeah. No, but like this is this. It's sort of like people always love to talk about that that old Soviet joke, right? Which is um. Uh, no, this isn't the store that doesn't have bread. The store that doesn't have bread is down the street, right? Um, yeah, sure. It's like, yeah, well, this is this is absolutely this this isn't the place where you can't get internet. You know, the, you have to call the other number to not get internet. This isn't the place where you can't turn on your lights. You have to you have to call like the other customer support uh, team to not be able to turn on your lights. You know, it's the um, I think it's really useful for thinking about like these again expanding, interlocking, overlapping crises where the prices of everything are just rocketing upward because there is this yeah. manifest inability to do anything about it is like it's, it's Mark Fisher's useful concept. I think of market Stalinism, which is the, the sort of the, the imposition uh, to the uh, sort of the imposition of, um, of the market as a kind of, uh, you know, a, a kind of market totalitarianism to borrow a very sure. silly phrase. Um, and I think that's really the best way to understand it. Well, if we're talking about Stalinism, would you like to hear another Soviet joke that I think is opposite? Yes, please. <laughs> um, okay, so so there's husband and wife. The husband goes out uh, to queue for food, because there's food shortages. And he queues for seven hours for bread, and there's no bread. And he queues for seven hours for beets, and there's no beets. Uh, and in the line, he murmurs something about how communism is bad. And two KGB agents grab him and say, you want to be careful, comrade, you could get shot talking like that. And he just gives up and comes home. Uh, and his wife says, oh, are they out of bread? And he says, worse. Uh, worse, they've run out of bullets. <laughs> um, if you want to talk about that, the, exam- the example of uh, that worked example of that in modern Britain is the Greater Manchester Police bringing back retired detectives because it can't hire anyone. Yeah, we're that's doing kinda, the, yeah. The, the plot of, uh, what was it, New Tricks? That's kind of the name of that show. That's kind of cute. I like the idea of a bunch of like old guys uh, who like felt that they had retired, being like, "I'm I'm, I'm being brought back for like one last case." Uh, <laughs> yeah, br- you know, bringing like taking out their like tray of like you know old fashioned rolly cigarettes and their clicky lighters. I don't know what like the real term is. We're fi- we're finally doing something about the policemen look younger crisis <laughs> in this country by hiring a bunch of seventy year old detectives. Back. Yeah, it'll be like it'll be like um it'll be uh. Fuck, what's that film? Uh, anyway, like, okay, yeah. just, you just... You just get burgled and all of a sudden your front yeah. room is full of, like, guys in camel coats. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, like, Perfect. yeah, young young police officers uh, who are spending all their time doing pronouns on their phones, they need, That's like... That's right, I'm older, doing that constantly. They need older police officers to teach them, like, how it was done uh, back in the day. That's true, we're bringing DCI Gene Hunt back from <laughs> retirement. I, I feel like what's going to happen is, like, is 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 all of the police forces that do this? They're just going to be like all of those uh, yo yo young whippersnappers. They are going to learn so many new slurs that'll be on the front page of the BBC <laughs> in three months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, and and then the uh, detective in question uh, WhatsApped his uh, his colleagues uh, with a slur for Malaysians that has not been in general use since 1923. <laughs> 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 it is unprintable here because it uses one of those characters that is not included in a QWERTY keyboard. <laughs> just sort of like spontaneously confessing to war crimes they did in Korea in the fifties. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be great. Yeah, to have like just getting a bunch of police officers now in Greater Manchester who have unexplained ear necklaces. Uh, it's pretty cool. <laughs> um, no, so back back to the uh, sort of like price rises as well. I mean, the um, 
one of the things that like this this energy price cap is uh, sort of going up and up and up and up. And the thing is, like you might ask, what's the use of a cap if it keeps going up? Is well, it would have been up already. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, Centrica, the British gas owner, uh, their profits are have also uh, quintupled uh, recently. Some uh. of that has been accounting like trickery, but uh, no small part of that has been uh, high energy prices. Like, don't well, let anyone we've dissemble. Been paying them all of that money. Yeah. Uh, well, the good news is that that's going to trickle down. To us. Oh yeah, I mean, look. Number one is the guy who the the sent and they, well, what I actually see mostly when people defend this state of affairs is like, oh yeah, well, you know what? Most pension funds are in actually invested in these companies. It's like, well, boy, I'm sure I'm glad that the old of Britain are finally getting a win. Perfect. And they're not. They're not. They're just sort of like paying themselves out of the, the proceeds of them being robbed. Yeah. Because it's like I can I can pay my energy bills and then my pension gets a little bit higher, maybe. Yeah. And again, I say you know the the old doing well is a kind of facetiousness. We have an episode coming up on sort of pension or poverty. Uh, but the other thing, right, is that even still, the uh, concentration of wealth and it, the concentration of investors in a company like Centrica uh, means that. You're fucking, I don't know, five shares in your pension or that you own through like BlackRock or whatever. Uh, the, the, even if you were going to like pay in what you personally get out, you still have to pay the fucking executives. You know, it, it is the, the idea that these things need to be in private ownership because otherwise it will create a kind of pensions crisis is uh, number one, you have t- basically strapped a, a kind of uh, um, bomb vest to Britain's elderly, being like, "Well, if you deprivatize everything, <laughs> then you're going to blow up your nan." Um, yeah, plus, also, like, so much of this money is just going to go offshore. Yeah. Uh, so much of it is just like going into the the pockets of people who aren't going to be able to spend it or want to spend it because of the fucking inflation. Yeah, exactly. Um, like, it, you you can't like uh, if if even shit like food, right? That costing more means you're less likely to go out for a meal. That money doesn't go into the restaurant. That restaurant doesn't, you know, steal a lot of it and then pay its workers some. It doesn't, like, go anywhere. Mm. Mm. Well, and, and, you know, you might want be wondering what Centrica is doing with all of this money. I, I read their, their press releases. Uh, Centrica says it is very aware of this situation. <laughs> I'm sure yeah, you it's, are. It's conducting a shitload of, like, money-filled pillow fights. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, in in between having like um in between firing rolls of twenties out of a mortar, uh, <laughs> uh, the um the the, the centrica said it is quote very aware <laughs> of the impact of soaring bills and the inflationary pressures on customers. It's aware of what's happening, it's listening, it's taking notes. Well, the, again, what they di- what they say is not far I di- from I that. I didn't I didn't increase your energy bill to three thousand eight hundred and fifty pounds per month. I sat my white ass down and listened. There's, there's some, and then also yeah, did that. There's some joke in this about gaslighting, and my brain isn't like working right now. So just like pretend yeah. that I did a really good joke about gaslighting. Well, wait, what do you mean? Gaslighting is way more expensive. Hussein, <laughs> you did do a really good joke about gaslighting. Your memory oh, yeah, might be fading. So you did. Yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah. So they've said, here's what they're going to do. Uh, <laughs> they are going to invest 100 million pounds in customer service, as well as hiring 500 more customer <laughs> service staff to handle the, 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 higher call volumes. We're going to hire more people to get cried to on the phone. Yeah, they're going to hire, like, this is, this is, you know what, fuck it. Like, I was going to say this is a joke, but I actually can see this happening where you have, like, lots of these, like, utility companies and, like, internet companies and stuff who are like, yeah, we've invested in uh, a bunch of people who are specialists in mental health Mm -hmm. and uh, they're going to talk you through. Uh, what's going in your mind right now and how you just need a positive mindset to stay warm uh, and be energized by your ideas. Mm. Oh my God. That is 100% going to happen. They're going to get Stephen Bartlett. Yeah, basically. Basically, they are like, Hustle, like it'll be hustle port. And I and I and like I was thinking about this actually today in relation to um that um uh quote, the Liz Trust quote from like a long time ago where she was talking about like the delivery freedom fighters. Um and really disvalorizing the idea that like, you know, having these sort of gig economy jobs is really, really good and really, really um is actually like a very it's a sign of like a healthy economy. And I can really just imagine that like under a Liz Truss kind of government, which I think is like the most likely outcome of the conservative leadership race, that we will see the government trying to at least campaign and like trying to sort of like market the idea of having free jobs as being uh, like the default that we should all sort of accept. 
Mm. Yeah, absolutely. We all have the same 24 hours in the day and we all have the same seven days in the week now at this point. Um, and I, I, if you want to talk about kind of the political reaction to, uh, in, to all of these massive price rises, again, it seems like the um, it is my sort of personal theory that uh, at, that at, at the moment, right, labor, as we talked about in the last episode, still ruling out nationalization, still ruling out any kind of major price control. They've said their approach is regulation. They haven't said how they're going to regulate differently or better, of course. Um, but what they have said is, look, we're going to cut VAT on, on energy bills. We're going to cut small business rates. Uh, we're going to... And then we're going to like buy, make, and build more in Britain. Essentially, we are going to do nothing. Um, yeah, we're going to yeah. do vibes. And we're going to do vibes. And it is my sort of crackpot theory, and I have sort of maybe 15% confidence in this, like enough to place a long shot bet is that the um, the idea that's going to like make it take over is going to come from the Tories just because they're going to be in a position where they do need to actually govern, much like the um, uh, 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 COVID furlough kind of ultimately was pressure put on the Tories by like the unions and, and McDonald and everything. Um, and that I, I do a little thought experiment, right? Which is if the Tory policy yeah, rotating an uncle in yeah, your mind, absolutely. if the, if the Tory policy is uh, it suddenly shifts and becomes something that will actually move the needle in some, in some way, because they have to like, again, not because they want to make the country a better place to live or anything, but as a simple concession to keeping it governable, you know what I mean? Then mm -hmm. will that and then what will the labor policy do? Will they sit in where they were and say, no, that we are continuing to be sensible? Or will they claim they were something slightly more, um, maybe 2% more generous than the Tories the whole time? And I don't know which one is slimier, you know, being sort of ideologically committed to you know, some nonsense that won't work because you've been unable to extricate yourself from 1997 or just deciding that you have surrendered uh, all of the initiative uh, to the Conservative Party because the Britain keeps voting the Conservative Party in. So what you have to do is be at most like them so they might accidentally vote for you at least a little bit um, or to be, uh, 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 yeah, to be sort of so devoted to this or to be uh, purely reacting to the Conservative Party. I don't know which one is more slimy. Uh, but uh, I, I sort of don't know really. I'm excited to find yeah, out. I don't know how they're going to react because I know they are going to react. They are, you know, they're completely incapable of acting, of course. Um, and I mean, if you want to talk about this, right? This is that this is sort of. I saw this cropping up around um, the sacking of uh, Sam Terry from the front bench for the temerity of uh, joining a <laughs> organized labor movement. <laughs> Uh, how on Although, earth? It, it was it was so funny that he had to come and try and triangulate and go on TV afterwards and say, "Well, I think Keir Starmer is doing the best he can, <laughs> even though he just fired me." Yeah, again, uh, the absolute, uh, just absolute, the, ki the kind behavior. of the kind of cuck shit that you have to do to stay in the Labour Party. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, but basically, what happened is uh, Sam Terry uh, replaced uh, young Michael John Gapes as the MP for Ilford. Um, joined workers on a picket line, made some posts to social media, appeared on the news, um, was sacked. Uh, again, they didn't. The, the Labour Party predictably has said, "Oh no, no, it's not because he went and associated himself with scary unions. It was because um, uh, uh, he made up party policy on the fly." And the funny thing is, the Rachel only, Reeves do that. You know what the funny thing like, was, though. You know what the party policy he made up on the fly was, which was that. Um, uh, public sector workers should get a real terms pay rise, and the and the party said, "Well, here's the thing: you made that up on the fly because well, we we haven't committed. Um, they 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 have they have committed to not letting wages fall, but they haven't committed to increases in line with inflation, which is therefore <laughs> letting it's like wages it's, it's like fall. they're trying to negotiate with the idea." That a, di a number that's different from another number has to either be bigger or smaller. It's like, maybe there's a third kind of relationship it can have. So they're trying to negotiate with themselves, yeah. which is even funnier. <laughs> like, it's I like, well, I'm willing to compromise on nothing, but on the other hand, you have to give me something here, so let's do nothing. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, oh yes, okay, look, that number's bigger than that one, that number's smaller than that one. Fine, what if we added imaginary numbers into the mix? Would you be willing to get... A uh, like a root eye pay raise or uh, reduction, indeed. <laughs> um, and it, it's the it's it's like we talked a little bit about like the sort of um, the weasel words hedge language and sort of middle managerism uh, of of labor. 
uh, that sort of and I think is perfectly summed up by the um, by saying, well, no, you know, you, you know, we we committed to uh, no lowering in pay, but we didn't commit to uh, raising pay enough that it wouldn't be lowered de facto as though that's fucking meaningful. Great. Fantastic. Yeah. I feel like my brain is leaking out of my ears. <laughs> and that, you know what? That's that's their it's like CrossFit. They're that's trying the, to that's the idea. People. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I think this is the thing, isn't it? Because like, you know, again, we spoke about this on the last episode, I believe, but just like anyone who's sort of generally been keeping tabs on this stuff, which is like the best faith reading that you could do at the moment is to basically kind of say that like Keir Starmer is like all the Labour Party is so kind of terrified of like the past. And by the past, I sort of mean like the, um, the 2010 election when the Tories like ran the austerity playbook the first time. And it was like extremely successful in terms of like framing the country at the time and how they could sort of considered the economy bearing in mind that like the, you know, the Tories still kind of like blamed immigrants. They blamed poor people. They blamed like, you know, the whole like welfare scrounger thing was very much like um, a headline, uh, a very common headline at that time. But the idea that they had basically framed the very off is that, you know, the state has been so charitable to people who didn't deserve it, that we now need to sort of like cut back on everyone needs to sacrifice for the good of the economy because the economy is like a, uh, a household, uh, you know, a household budget or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it was incredibly successful uh, as a marketing strategy in 2010. I don't think that necessarily applies now. I definitely don't think that like even Tories kind of, kind of you know, are sort of um, criticizing Rishi Sunak for basically playing that playbook again. But mm. for whatever reason, the Labour Party is so terrified that like it will decimate them. Um, <clears throat> and, and, and I guess like at the same time, also believing that like in, 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 their, in purging like what's left of like anyone left in the party, they also have to purge any like, idea that they're entertaining their policies, regardless of like how, regardless of like how effective or useful they might be. So as a result, you then have this like weird situation where the Labour Party are kind of like proposing things that they sort of know don't work, but they are afraid of like obsessing, you know, the Essex bazers who are going to be affected by like all this shit happening in the same way that everyone else is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but are also kind of really hostile to anyone who is pointing this out. I don't know. I guess it's like, we spoke, we spoke about this in the last episode about how it's just like at like, for them, it's all just vibes at this point. And well, there's, which there's I said, yeah, there's something we didn't talk about in the last episode, though, right? Which is let's take let's take this idea on its own terms, right? This household, mm-hmm. this country is a household budget thing. Uh, you need growth before you growth in the economy before you can tax it, so you can spend on stuff. We know this bullshit, but let's just pretend. Um, but it, while facing this level of a cost of living crisis, if you assume that growth has to come from economic activity, but if uh, basically the power companies are sitting on an enormous amount of um, on, an, on an enormous sort of cost increase in other economic activities, um, then like, OK, well, hang on. Don't we need uh, people to be going to the shops? Don't we need people to be buying cars? Don't you no, need to be no, making no, cars? No, no, no. We, 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 we evolved past that sort of thing in the 80s. Now, yeah. uh, the economy is primarily about being on the computer. Well, now, yes. Well, that, yeah, you should, you should do, you should, yeah, you, um, uh, the, the Labour Party's radical policy will be everyone should start a podcast, uh, which I say, like, <laughs> yeah, base, base yeah, kiss. Um, the, the, uh, the, <laughs> yeah. We are, we are warriors by having, like, multiple podcasts each. <laughs> There were Atlas holding up the UK on our shoulders. By That's right. Multiple That's right. podcasts. Because, because because all of our all of our podcast money from the patrons like trickles down. It re-enters the economy <laughs> because because Riley spends it on I don't know wine and cheese. Yeah, and I and I recently bought like a pair of boots. So that um... I'm thinking about buying a pair of boots. <laughs> um, so yeah. ne- next month the economy is going to benefit from the purchase of one pair. Of sweet boots. That's how you win the Nobel Prize in economics. You save the economy by buying a very expensive pair of boots. <laughs> I'm gonna make a sort of like very Nobel-looking graph that's like <laughs> inflation on one axis, number of boots purchased uh, on the other axis. By, yeah. by one, we'll just... by Alice, by one person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and I, when it goes yeah. up by one, inflation drops to zero. Yeah, yeah. I'll make a competing graph where on the x-axis it says inflation, and on the y-axis it says when uh, uh, when you, when, uh, when when you nut. Exactly. <laughs> we're we're, we're yeah, down. Exactly. No, but uh, th- I mean that 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 money goes to you know uh, international space station support technicians, <laughs> repair people, astronauts to replace the astronauts <laughs> who have been killed. 
Uh, yeah. People who have to maintain the rockets to put the astronauts in space. When you think about it, this is really a sort of like, it's an act with deep economic repercussions. Yeah, but I, I, I want to like go back to this thing, right? This is because the problem is, is, is that by allowing these, uh, these processes to occur, I mean... Also, I think I, I looked at a um a chart breaking down Britain's GDP. We are this was not going to surprise any of you. Uh, you on with me, or you listening at home? Is that we have by far the highest amount of um rent extraction as a portion of GDP? I think it's I, huh. it's, I seem to remember it being about seventeen percent. This is like a half remembered figure. Don't don't. I mean, do quote it at me because I am interested in remembering. But I'm going to check between now and when this comes out. Um, and and this is I think another way of all of these privatized utilities are just other ways of extracting rents. And what rents do is essentially depress other economic activity. And so the mm. idea that you need to, you know, foster growth, growth, growth in order to, you know, have a society that, you know, functions, um, while at the same time doing nothing about the kind of what I would refer to as kind of a an expanding multi-sector crisis in rentierism, uh, means that you don't even believe your own fucking policy. Yeah, but also like it's you know even the household debt thing like kind of falls flat on on its own terms when you bear in mind so like there was a news story that came out today at the time of recording in which like Ofgem the uh the country's like energy regulator was like said that oh yeah like we know that this is going to be a catastrophe and we are looking at like uh, solutions to like mitigate or like minimize the damage. Um, but then they sort of admitted uh, that in order to do this, like it will kind of increase consumer debt as like a result of that, which is to basically say that like it will kind of get people into like the solution that is being proposed and the one that comes through like the Labour Party's uh, the Labour Party's like strategy, which is like we'll just regulate it more, we'll use these regulating bodies more, is we're just going to put more people into different forms of debt. Right. And that will be like a pro growth policy that will also solve this problem. So we don't really need to think about anything else, not least like, um, you know, and definitely not anything that like, you know, needs to structurally change in the long term to prevent something like this ever happening again. Um, yeah, just like increase increase that debt on that credit card, maybe. <laughs> Call it debt to the second 10,000. <laughs> what if it was called debt to? And and when you think Whoa. and when you think about it, right? Like let's let's go back to that three part uh, anatomy of a price: the profit, the non labor cost, and the labor cost. Is debt is a probably one of the most powerful forms of disciplining the labor force that exists, other than mm -hmm. a guy with a big stick. Um, if only because mm -hmm. what it means is again, well, we had to take away that guy's stick. Yeah. Is the other thing because it cost too much. <laughs> uh, is is that the um, when the labor force is is when you have enough people in personal debt. It means just like how uh, having bad benefits is a and residualized benefits is a fantastic labor force disciplining tool. So is essentially uh, uh, debt, which is kind of the cost version of bad benefits. Um, it forces you to continue being productive. It means that time you might take in order to find a better job with better conditions you're not doing because you need to service your debt. Um, it means that uh, that you're not might not leave your job in case like you. Uh, you you risk find not finding another one potentially because again you yeah, need makes to service everything much more precarious yeah. and uh, like dependent. Yeah. And so it's a, I'd say like the and so one of the one of the solutions, the one that I'm sort of worried is going to be the um, the Tory solution. I mean, because they, they they tried it already, right? By making the uh, the grant before the, it was a grant that's coming out in September. It was a loan. Um, it is through the extension of personal credit. I mean, that's one of the that was their main solution, if you recall, to the housing crisis. It was to expand, massively expand the amount of personal debt that people were able to get into in order to have, get a roof over their heads. So I, I don't. And so if they are completely committed to defending the rentier economy of the UK, which I think that they are, uh, and if the Labour Party are completely committed to also defending the rentier economy of the UK because they don't see themselves as needing a democratic mandate to govern, they see themselves as needing permission to govern, essentially. Um, then I see like the rentier economy is going to be untouched, but because social reproduction does need to keep happening, the lever that they can pull, as you say, Hussein, is personal debt is a great one for them to pull because no one has an option but to get into debt if the option if the other options are nothing. Uh, yeah. So uh, before we before we, um, we 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 sort of close here because I see we're running low on time, and I did have one other thing I wanted to discuss. Um, hey, uh, Alice, remember the times that yes. you said. Um, I am a canary. Am I the uh, looming yeah. crisis? Am I the 
Am I the looming <laughs> crisis? Yeah, all of these things that I love to say. You sort of you pull the string in my back, and I, I say one of these these phrases. Yeah, <laughs> mommy, mommy, I want the I, I want I want the talking Alice for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the phrases. Um, yeah, is, that's right. Uh, we finally, finally, um, uh, the UK uh, has its own. Um, you know, we we couldn't just have the homegrown transphobia. We needed to like bring it in extra is, transphobia from the U.S. Well, that's that's not what it is, right? It's a dialogue. The it's a dialogue between the the cultures of the right in the U.S. and the U.K. The U.S. right wing is getting our transphobia, and the U.K. right wing is getting the U.S.'s sort of street crank, mm. if you Groomer like. Panic. Uh, Yes. Yeah. Exactly. The kind of like uh, mobs mm -hmm. is is what we're getting, and and we had an example of this well, in Reading. Yeah, we're, I, I think we're getting a weird, I think we're getting a weird kind of like what about the children thing, which is very yeah. interesting because as we've spoken about many times on this show, this country and lots of people in it have a complete disdain towards children and children just being around. Mm -hmm. um, so it's kind of been interesting to sort of like in a very very scary way. It's been very interesting to watch like this weird triangulation of people basically trying to kind of like balance their very obvious dislike of children and their um you know and them not wanting to kind of give children any kind of like resources to have a happy life with like oh actually I care about you um, and I care about your safety but in a kind of like overtly sexualized way. Yeah, exactly. Like the the children are, you know, uh, woke snowflakes. But on the other hand, we do have to protect them from drag queens, yeah, of course, groomers. So uh, here's this, this situation: is uh, again, listeners in the U.S. would be well familiar with Drag Queen Story Hour. This thing that sort of crops up on sort of you know um, the various sort of bits of the right as the panic du jour. A thing I don't really understand and would not really fight that hard for. Yeah, absent the fact that it seems to be this nexus of uh, sort of incipient domestic terrorism. Yeah. And uh, what it, what it, I've noticed it's prompted is a lot of outlets to and journalists for a lot of very respectable liberal outlets to start using the phrase the trans question a lot. Yep, yep, that's happening. New, new, new statesman were the one who broke the seal on that one. Yeah, whenever, thought, that, whenever that's used as a suffix, you know that you're in for an interesting uh, conversation. Am, yeah, a, a, am I the question? Because yeah. I don't really want to be the question. I, I myself personally have never administered a drag queen story sign, yeah. uh, but you know now I got to be responsible for this shit. Yeah. Um. And so essentially, what has happened is this. Um. Is is this drag queen story hour happened? And I mean, like ostensibly, like, the the purpose of it is, um, you know, just to basically have a kind of pro LGBT, uh, like youth story group. And I think the kind of sure. social theory of change is just that if you make LGBT people sort of a normal part of someone growing up, they don't. It's just more sort of reflexively accepting. Like I buy that theory of change, and I think it's basically sure. a good one to have. Um, it seems. Yeah, it seems I mean, I I would have benefited as a child from knowing that like you were allowed to be transgender. Mm -hmm. I think that would have been cool. That would have been helpful. Yeah. Not. I I don't know how much like a a drag queen reading to me would have done that, but it's you know it's something. It's fine. Yeah. It's 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 like pantomime basically, but with an added sort of message of like social acceptance. It's very fine. it's very funny by the way that like some of the um articles now responding to many of the criticisms like wait a minute, you all hate drag queen story hour, but you love taking children to panto and they're like, yeah, because panto dames are funny, not super sexy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, because the thing the thing about Panto is that it teaches children the kind of lessons that we want them to learn, which is He's uh, you, be for racist yeah. or a man in a dress is funny. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or, or, and as opposed to a man in a dress is funny, but in a different way. Yeah, uh, and um, and, and so this is it's, it's to see all Put of me in a weird position vis-a-vis -vis drag. <laughs> I can tell. Um, so the um, this is this is what the, what we said in the Telegraph about it. It says. About a dozen parents and young children were seen dancing with a drag queen in Reading Central Library on Monday. Very sort of cop talk to open up the uh, yeah yeah some um yeah, and uh, you and the uh, the uh, child gentleman have been the, seen the, 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 uh, the male the male impersonating gentleman yeah yeah he was uh, seen dancing with several children gentlemen <laughs> the the fi we're trying to bring this back the female gentleman <laughs> the, the female gentleman was uh. Was uh, telling a <laughs> partner story and dancing with several uh, uh, gentlemen of between the ages of uh, three and six. Um, uh, again, we're against a din of chants from outside the venue, it was derailed when two mothers who infiltrated the class stood up and confronted the drag queen. They shouted, 
And this is something else and you talked you and I talked about briefly. They said you're allowing child grooming to take place. This is disgusting. Haven't you heard of autogynephilia? The internet is leaking. Uh, and these two things have, have mixed, right? There's this sort of like uh, a, a dialectic is happening here where the extremely online kind of British transphobia, which involves posting a lot and knowing what autogynephilia is, uh, or is supposed to be, has mixed with the American style of the right, which is to, you know, get inside stuff and yell and, you know, yeah. at some point escalate yeah. to breaking windows or whatever else. Yeah. And, and I just like... Just the imagining someone in real life saying the phrase autogynephilia, like to mean the thing, as opposed to referentially as we're doing now, it it just it feels so weird. Like someone like like recording their Twitter replies on a tape and playing them. It's just it's very hyper real. I'm I'm never gonna stop thinking about Eugene Ionesco's play The Rhinoceros, which is about fascism and the rise of fascism. Primarily through the lens of absurdity, right? And it, it, it's something that seems like less and less funny every day. The idea that like someone, someone sort of spontaneously turning into a rhinoceros is up there with someone turning into the kind of person who says, you know, do you know what autogynephilia is to actual people, <laughs> like to real people, yeah. and does not experience any sort of feeling of embarrassment. Yeah, because it's this is just like um, someone saying, actually, the Rwanda plan is discouraging human trafficking, which I think is very bad. Uh, the concept of autogynephilia, that's not a real idea. That's just something that you say online to make people not mad at you. Like, it's it's yeah. not an actual thing that has semantic content. It's an idea that exists purely in order to tell a story about another idea. It well, doesn't have it, yeah. it doesn't have any bearing on the world as it as it exists. It's purely this conversational idea. It is it is it, it is empty. Uh, it is a category. It is empty. Well, the thing, the other thing is, and and this is my thing about being the crisis and about being the canary, is that uh, one thing I think we're all sort of aware of on some level is that both in the U.S. and the U.K., in fact, worldwide, uh, transphobia has just sort of been selected as the catalyst for any number of right wing stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like, and of course, it's. You know, Ben Shapiro or whoever else, whoever the sort of cultural leaders of of any sort of right movement are, Tucker Carlson or whatever, mm-hmm. they're what they want is their numbers, and they're willing to chase that. And so, if they find something that goes over well, mm-hmm. like you know, uh, drag queen groomers grooming your kids, then they'll just sort of do that to death, possibly quite literally. And so, it just sort of this this transphobic movement encompasses. Uh, people who have very weird ideas about any number of things, and it could have been any number of things. It's just this happened to be the one that got traction. <laughs> so I saw I saw a lot of the videos of of the protesters outside Reading Central Library being held back by the police, and a lot of them are sovereign citizens. A lot of them believe in like Magna Carta. Uh, I believe in like this sort of unrestrained sovereignty of the Queen personally over anything else. Um, a lot of them were anti-vaxxers too, and that's you know that's one of the things that has even that sort of fallen by the wayside because now this is the new hotness. The new shit is to uh, shout about groomers. So great feels well, we, great. I think we also spoke about we spoke about this like a while ago about like this was a, this was going to sort of be like an inevitable like point, right? I think Riley brought up mm. someone someone brought up. I feel like it was Riley who'd basically kind of said, but like once the once the kind of like COVID, once the vaccine stuff had kind of like uh, minimized or to the point where like it wasn't this kind of like big contentious issue that people could uh, like rally support and kind of crucially money around, um, you know, they would inevitably like basically, I think the argument that was made by someone was that like the end point would inevitably be pedophilia. And hmm. this kind of that weird, you know, the the weird situation where basically you could, everyone is being everyone is accused of being a pedophile, um, which is going to get way worse with monkeypox too. Yeah, given and, that it's something that is now being sort of overwhelmingly pinned yeah, on. Well, there's like a gay few, men. There's like a few things that have happened. There's the monkeypox stuff that's happened in the UK. There's like the um the Stonewall ruling that happened quite recently. Oh. Um, and that's yep. and that's being spun as like you know this victory for like you know people who are you know basically for turfs. Um, yeah, there's a couple of there's a couple of things. There's, like the vaccine stuff still hasn't gone. Like it's still very much there. Um, and cre- and I think um, someone from the BBC, uh, from someone from like the, the who kind of like monitors disinformation, 
um, put out a, like a very interesting thread uh, either today or yesterday where they were looking at this confluence and what they sort of realized was not that like white nationalists were um, just jumping on the bandwagon, but they had sort of been waiting for this moment for a long time. And they had like, hmm. like been in these telegram groups where these white nationalists are kind of just like, well, look, now they're all sort of like, you know, you know now, now that like this kind of panic about grooming and pedophilia has happened, uh, we're getting like a lot more emails about people who like, you know, they say that, oh, we don't agree with everything you say, but like, you know, you were right about this stuff and we can use this yeah, well, to that, our that's, advantage. That's, yeah. that's what a red pill is. That's what radicalization is. Right. is you, you, you find some like, uh, social issue that yeah. makes you uncomfortable enough that you uh, then sort of so you're seeing, maneuver yeah. to a place where you can become a white so, nationalist. So what you're kind of seeing is this like mass radicalization, and there's no other word for it, even if like they deny that this is happening. But it's also kind of tapping into these, these very ancient or like these very like old fears um, that are held by like lots of different groups in the country. Um, and, you know, surrounding like, you know, child abuse and Peter and like, you know, again, like, as we've mentioned, you know, there is kind of, there is like a documented or like a very badly documented, but there is a history of like, you know, um, elite, uh, and kind of institutional child abuse in this country. Right. Sure. Like it is yeah. not something that like people who are serious are denying, but what is happening now is that like people can tap into those fears, um, and then manipulate them in ways that are like productive to effectively fascistic causes. Yeah. Well, I mean, so in this case, what happened is that they yelled a lot. The police kept them out, which to me is like it's an improvement on the U.S., where the police at some point have like led them into the library in order to facilitate this. I think that's one of the things where I think queer theory kind of is sort of neglect some things is that there may be sometimes letting the police do their sort of pinkwashing stuff and genuinely believing that they are a sort of like supportive institution does have benefits and you do have you can't totally sort of abdicate a theory of the state and state power and state violence however uh it's gonna get worse it's gonna get a lot worse uh before it gets better well, I, if it ever gets better especially um, i think you know you can say that the um the, the question always with the police is 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 when are they going to do their jobs versus when do they think that they have to bravely disobey the orders to do their jobs to do the exactly, right thing? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a question of like, I, I, I read a very interesting article about, a uh, very interesting essay about a queer theory of the state uh, that I think is, is worth reading. Uh, I, I don't remember who by, but uh, essentially the gist of it, you know, I had a lot of problems with it, but the gist of it is that like at some point, you need to engage seriously with the idea of power um, uh, uh, because it is already being used against you in ways that would have seemed unthinkable even, mm. you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, maybe not 20, but you know, at this point. Um, I think just to just to close it out, then we can say uh, to all the well, just to close it out, we can we can talk about the Hadley Freeman yeah, tweet. That's what I was going to say. It's I I I love Hadley Freeman. Yeah, uh, the the fucking you the Woody exactly Allen Innocence going, Project. Huh? The um, Roman Polanski should be respected for his work project. Uh, Guardian journalist et al. Hadley Freeman, who has tweeted, How is it a manufactured row? I imagine quite a few people are genuinely confused as to why liberals are all of a sudden insisting it's totally wholesome for children to be entertained by men dressed as female parodies. Mm -hmm. Well, hey, you know what? Uh, I hope you like who you're uh, now working with. Uh, yeah, and, well, absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And, this is this is the sort of the soft end of something that at the other end has a telegram what, group full of white supremacists. Well, like what's also interesting, like looking at like that group, like is kind of the ways in which some of them are kind of like in denial that they are in those groups, and they won't answer. Like when people bring this up, they like refuse to answer like any of the questions, and they kind of just you know it's all like the sort of like bad safe shit that we've seen with like yeah, well we saw it in the mm. like, 2019 election as well. Um, and like the people who, you know, like that, you know, Sun reporter who, uh, I don't know if I can name or not, but like used, uh, <laughs> uh, like who used the uh, sources from an actual far right group and like has never, uh, never had to answer any questions publicly about that sourcing and still has a very well-paid job. Um, yeah, absolutely. you know, and, but, but you also have like some in who are kind of much closer to like Hadley Freeman and your Julie Bindles and stuff who are like much more open in, um, embracing like people who have like identified either with being far right or fascistic or at least being very very sympathetic with it. So you had like you know uh, British uh, and American like you know uh, you know turf writers who have been like, well, yeah, I don't really agree with like Chris Rufo and uh, James Lindsay about like you know all the other things, but on this they're like on the money and like I mean like for fuck's sake like J.K. Rowling like 
basically endorsed uh, Matt Walsh, sorry, right? And Matt Walsh has kind of openly said that, yeah, I have like fascist politics and I'm not ashamed of it. So like at this point, you know, even like whether, you know, I I feel like at this point, even the mask off moments don't really like the sole consolation, the sole consolation of this for me has been seeing when someone who keeps the mask on, someone who like likes that kind of liberal respectability and their transphobia, like has to talk to one of their fascist influencers who has the mask resolutely off because those fascists very much enjoy ripping the other one's mask off. And so you have a lot of conversations where, yeah. uh, you know, someone will sort of wring their hands and go, well, you know, I don't agree with you about white nationalism, but I really, I never thought I would be agreeing with you about this. Uh, and the white yeah, nationalists will just go, yeah, yes, yeah. you did. It just goes to show that you can, uh, you, you can, uh, you can uh, meet people at different uh, ends of the political spectrum. <laughs> that's right. Have, that's right. We and, need yeah. a new political consensus. And, and have, and have, uh, a, cup, yeah, and have a cup of tea with them and be on their podcast uh, and earn the money, which I think is a really that's, good sell. That's right. Uh, uh, anyway, anyway, I think that's uh, probably as good a place as any to... Uh, uh, chilling portents yes. of things to come. <laughs> that's right. Hail ants. Uh, aunts, in this case. Uh, they're, they're from the... Mm. Also from Facebook. Rotating an aunt in my mind. Yeah. Uh, so thank you very much for listening to the podcast, and thank you very much uh, to, of course, my co-host for being here. Don't forget, we have a Patreon. It is five American dollars a month. You get a second episode every week. You get a second episode and the economy gets some boots. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We're going to buy boots for the economy. Um, <laughs> and also, uh, dates. There are various dates. I like to dates. call it Trash Future Gives Back. <laughs> you know? we, are, we have our Edinburgh show on the 26th? Question mark? 26th. 26th. Yes, so. uh, the link will be in the description for this. Also, Australia. Our first Melbourne show is sold out. Uh, however, we are... Aus- we- Australians really like to see the podcast Trash Future, <laughs> it turns they out. They do. Uh, but there are other shows in other cities in Australia for sale, and we are looking at the possibility of adding a second Melbourne show. Uh, so do be on the lookout for that. Uh, hmm. I think in all other news, it just falls to me to say thanks again, and we'll see you on the bonus episode. Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 Thank you.